Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. I know last week, I don't know if you remember, we started out with the sermon series. Well, it wasn't a series. It was probably a two-part sermon that uh, I, I, I was... I was thinking it's going to be a one, once-off sermon, and then as I preached it, I knew that, wow, God wanted to do something a bit deeper, something new. The, the topic was so rich that I couldn't just leave it at, at one sermon. So if you've missed last week's sermon, then uh, go and listen to it on our, on our SoundCloud or on, go to our website, just click on sermons, All everything is free. Um, but to be honest, I think last week's sermon is not on there yet. It was a bit of a crazy week, so... The sermons will be on the website tomorrow as I dive into that and just edit everything and get it right. But this morning, I want to continue about the principle of our mindset about things. You see, the principle of our mindset about things is all about your perspective on life. What is your perspective on life? And it's a good, it's a good question to ask. If you sit in any conversation, you would, in the first five minutes, you would see and hear and realize what is that person's perspective on life. You would see what they think, how they think about things, and it says a lot. Now, we looked about, sorry, some people are looking at life, and this is very important. I just want to give a quick recap on last week. Some people look at life um, through the perspective of death and fear. If I talk about death and fear, I'm talking about a worldly mindset. How can I fix this? How can I do? But then some people look at life through a perspective of life and faith, which is a, a major difference in how we do. And, if, and I don't want to go into that because I don't want to go through last week's sermon again. But we looked, about, we looked at the difference between a vulture and a hummingbird. What is the focus of a vulture? Is rotten meat and death. That's what they focus on. If they fly around in the air, they look for death and rotten meat because that's how they feed on life. That's their perspective. Well, but a hummingbird's focus is on the sweet nectar of pretty flowers and colorful vegetation. And it's such a beautiful difference between us and life that do we focus on the deathness, the rottenness of issues of life, or do we focus on life, on the sweet nectars of what God has given us? You see, it's a big difference in how we look at things. Now, now, the question is today is where and on what do you focus on daily? What is your focus on daily? Because the, the world that we face, the things that we face every week can shift your focus so easily and so quickly. Just open Facebook, go to the news, go ever, wherever um, you will see something about what's happening worldwide. And you will know exactly what's happening. Then so many of those things are bad news. We all know that bad news sells. So if you look at the bad news, it will focus your, your, um, your, uh, your whole perspective on life, on, on death, and on rotten meat that we don't want to. Now we started out, the core scripture last week was this. Looks like my... It's Romans 5 verse 5. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. It says the following, verse 5. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursues what benefits themselves. See, that just, just to stop there, if you want to know if someone is in a worldly mindset or in the flesh, you would hear them speak about themselves 99% of the time. Focus on themselves. What I can get, how I can do this, how I can do this, how I can get out of this issue. But listen to this. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue what? Spiritual realities. So we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're in this world, but we focus on spiritual realities rather than the deathness about things around us. Then verse 6. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Then verse 9. I just want to jump to verse 9. It says, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, isn't that beautiful, how the Passion Translation says this? But when the Spirit of Christ, not how, when the world empowers you or your job empowers you, but when the Spirit of God or Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. See, there's, there's so much in that small little scripture. 
See, Paul speaks about two mindsets. A worldly mindset, flesh, and a spirit mindset, God, His kingdom. Kingdom of darkness versus kingdom of light. You see, it's a, it's a basic thing. But the important thing that we could not miss in verse 6 today, I want to show you. Let's go back to verse 6. For the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Did you see that? You see, one thing we need to understand is that we are born into sin. The first Adam. You see, we are born into the flesh, the worldly realm. We are born into it. That's why it says, for the mindset of the flesh that we are born into is death. It is. But he says, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit, when you get saved, when you get born again, when you decide to walk with God, you are controlled by a different spirit than by the world. And those who are controlled by the Spirit, what is it? They find they find, they find life and they find peace. See, you can be in any situation. What are you looking for? See, we would find what we look for. And your mindset will direct that. Now, let's go back to, to the first point that I said. So there's one thing we need to understand. We are born into sin. First Adam. Adam came into the world. Yes, Eve, Eve ate the apple and she gave it to Adam and they all sinned. And, and there was, the Bible speaks about the first Adam. And because of the sins of the first Adam, we are born into sin. All of us. But then we were set free by the second Adam. Jesus. See, that means that our mindset will always be a defaulting to the flesh. Listen, listen carefully. I, don't, I want to miss you here, but when somebody is born... There's a stage in your life that you need to accept Christ. I believe that all babies go to heaven. I mean, until to a point that you get to you where you know the difference between life and death, right and wrong, there's a moment and place where you need to step over to salvation from a worldly mindset to a spirit mindset. See, there's a moment in your life. That's why I believe so children's church is so important because kids get to that point where they realize what truth is and we need to be the first one to preach truth to them otherwise the world will preach it to them. The games that will preach it to them or the TV that they watch will preach it to them and we need to get our kids into an environment where they know who God is and what the power of spirit life is. I've seen kids this small, four, three, four, five years old, who prays for people, backache gone, headaches gone. They truly believe in healing. Why? Because they were introduced by the spirit life instead of natural stuff. You see, it means that our mindset will always default to the flesh. And because God gave us our own choice in life, we have to make that decision to change our mindset. When we receive Him. You see, when we receive Christ, it changes our mindset from a vulture to a hummingbird. <laughs> you don't physically, I mean, you know what I'm saying. Our focus changes from death things to life things. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 says the following. It says, all Scripture, tell, the Scripture tells us, the first man, Adam, became a living person, became but the last man, the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is a natural body, but the spirit body comes later. So we are born into a default that is worldly, that is fleshly. And as soon as we, we invite Christ into our lives because of what He has done, because God has given us a choice, He doesn't force it on us, we step into that Spirit life. And that's why it says that Christ, who was the second Adam, was a life-giving spirit. He wasn't an amazing spirit in air somewhere. No, no. He was a life-giving spirit. He gives life. Every time in our lives, as soon as we, if we look at Him, He gives. There's a moment of life in Him. See, this is so powerful. Adam became, but Jesus is. 
Did you see that? Adam became a living being. But Jesus is a life-giving spirit. You see, it's so powerful that we sometimes can read deeper into the Scripture and we realize that, yes, we all become. We are created. But Christ has always been. He is and always will be. Now, it's amazing how there is a correlation between Adam and Jesus, the first and the second Adam, as the Word calls it. It's a very interesting. It's also the only place in Scripture that refers to Jesus as the last Adam. Now, you'll, like, you'll know now where I'm going. Now, look at the, the interesting prophetic correlation between the two. It's amazing. Adam was the first man to experience death on earth. Jesus was the first man on earth to experience everlasting life. Death, life. Through Adam's actions, his children all died. But through Jesus' actions, all his children live. Big correlation, big difference. You see, Adam and Jesus are the only two men who never had earthly fathers. They weren't convicted or, or conceived by an earthly father. They were also the only two men who knew what it was like to be sinless. Without sin. I know Adam sinned, but before that, he was sinless. He knew what it was to be sinless. You see, Jesus had to come and rectify his creation's purpose from death to what the purpose was, life. Because of the first Adam, the second Adam had to come and rectify it. Now, because of the first Adam, we are by default born into sin, but we need the life-giving Spirit of Christ in our lives. Yes, you're born into sin. Great. But Jesus already paid. All we need to do is, Father, I give you everything, my heart, my life, everything, and you step over into a place of life, into a new covenant. You're not stuck into the old covenant. Now, this. What happens in that moment when we receive a life-giving spirit? We need a renewing of our mind. We need a renewing in that moment. Now, my topic for week two is renewing our mind. So you can change your mindset, but there needs to be a renewing of how we think, of how we see things in life. And it's a very powerful topic if you think about it. And you'll see as I dive into this now, and it's not going to be a long sermon, but I want to leave something this morning that, that, that realizes that we need to renew our mind on a constant basis. The day you open your Bible, you renew your mind. When you have a conversation about God, you renew your mind. 20, 30 years as a saved Christian, you're still renewing your mind. It is an ongoing thing. Now when you look in the book of Matthew and Mark and look and you go through the Bar Gospels, and you look at Jesus, and the first word that he said when he started his ministry, the first sermon Jesus preached, was the following. He said, and it's not on there, he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And different gospel says it differently. But most Christians repent enough to be forgiven, but not enough to see the kingdom. You see, we repent easily to be forgiven, but we repent not to see more of the kingdom. Now, Sir Kenny, is this a sermon about repentance, about all my sin today? <laughs> yes, it is about repentance, because I want to show you the power of the word repent. You see, the purpose of repentance is the following. It's to shift us from one reality to become aware of a different reality. To shift us from one reality to make us aware of a different reality. Now, when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he was referring to this. He was referring to God's dominion that was now. Now. They didn't have to wait for it anymore. See, the Jews for years and years and ages preached about the coming Messiah and the kingdom that he will establish. They preached about it. They waited for it. And here Jesus comes. First sermon. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he closed the book and says, that what I just read, you are witnessing it. And they wanted to stone him. Literally. Now the word repent. Actually, this is what Jesus said. He said, listen, guys, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. He says, you don't have to wait anymore. It is here. 
The kingdom of life, the kingdom of heaven is here. Now the word repent actually means a turnaround, 180 degrees turn. I'm walking towards my sin-in-law. Now I make 180 degrees turn and I'm walking towards God. That is what the basic definition of repentance means. But it also means to feel or express a sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. So I did something wrong, I've got a remorse, and I'm expressing it, that it is sincere. Or to view or to think of an action that you did was wrong with deep regret or remorse. That is repentance. But if you go to the Scripture, and this is what I love, if you go to the Scripture, that word that Jesus says, repent, means in the Greek, metanoia. And metanoia means change the way you think. In the Greek context, it means change, a change of one's mind and of one's purpose. You see, Jesus said, listen, I want you to change the way you think. Now, we all know, we look from a, from a, from a, a lawful work perspective, not a grace perspective. We look at this and say, repent, what did I do wrong? Oh, my goodness. What Jesus actually said, he said, hey, change the way you think. Something has just changed. If you don't change with it, if you don't think like it, you're going to be stuck in the old covenant. You see, to have a renewed mind as a believer every day it means to repent daily, to change the way I think and the way my purpose flows. Does it make sense? Am I speaking to someone today? One or two of you. You see, Jesus started his ministry on earth with the following word, repent. He says, I want you to change the way you think. Renew your mind. Because things are about to change. Renew your mind. Change the way you think. He said, stop thinking about how to keep the law and change your thought process. Because the people were so stuck in law. What I need to do, what I have to do. If I do this wrong, if I do this, then, I mean, the, I can't go to church. I can't pray. If I do this, Jesus said, hey, whoa, repent for my kingdom is at hand. That means change the way you think because the way you thought about it, it's going it's to change rapidly from what I'm about to establish on earth. He said, start to think about life in the Spirit. Now, 2 Corinthians 3 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says the following. It says, He has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. You see, the old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. You see, He says, if you get stuck into this old covenant of law, you'll die. But if you step over to this new covenant of grace and power and love, you will surely live. You will come alive. You see, Jesus actually was saying, hey, stop focusing on the works of the law that brings death, man. I'm about to bring a new covenant where my grace is sufficient for you. My grace. Isn't that powerful? My grace is sufficient for you. Now, Paul, Paul was a great man. You know I love speaking about Paul. He spoke about, he hit the nail in the head about this. And he spoke about this in Romans, Romans 12, verse 2, and we all know this. I've preached about it so many times, but it says the following. It says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, which is pleasing, which is perfect. Oh man, that's a mouthful. God says, don't cop copy the behaviors of this world. Don't freak out and buy toilet paper if you see there's a, a something coming. I was guilty. Come on. <laughs> don't copy the behaviors of this world because you focus so much on the death that you miss the life-giving spirit that is in you. He says, but change the way you think. Change the way you think. It, it makes you, where does everything start? Changing the way you think. Repent. First words of Jesus. Or first ministry sermon. Then he says, 
Do you want to know what the will of God is in your life? What's the will of God in your life? Then you have to transform the way you think. But the will of God is, and this is just something else. It is good, it is pleasing, and it is perfect. If you ever thought about the will of God in your life, it didn't say, and you will know, you will learn to know the will of God, which is you have to work hard and then perform, and then it will be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no. It says the will of God is only good, only pleasing, only perfect. But you need to change your mindset about things in life for that to actually catch this. You need to be, to be, to be open-minded to realize what the power of grace is in your life. God is so good. That's the power of Romans 12 verse 2. You see, the New King James says the following. It says, transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, now, Paul tells us here that transformation starts where? With our mind. You want to be transformed in your life? You need to think different. You need to think differently about life and how things, and you need to stop beating yourself up because of guilt and step into that place of grace after repentance. You see, a transformed mind gives us a transformed person. And a transformed person brings a transformed city or a family or a business or whatever. See, a transformed mind becomes a transformed person, becomes a transformed city, family, whatever you name it. It all starts with the mind. How we think, how you renew your mind daily with the Word and with Scripture. That's why we cannot afford to have our mind messed up by worldly stuff. (laughs) I can't afford that. I traveled, I used to travel with a bunch of rugby guys and I was part of the Varsity Cup mixes and Curry Cup and um, I'm actually a qualified mental coach, not a sports psychologist, but I'm a qualified sports scientist, believe it or not. Um, I've got a master's degree in that. And I started traveling with ministry. We started a, mini- a sport ministry, and I started traveling with these teams. And it's been so tough because the culture in that teams is swearing and speaking bad stuff. And I mean, it's just a rugby culture. Some, some teams are bad. Some teams are really amazing. But some of those teams that I trained, traveled with, I mean, you sit in conversations, you, you hear the other coaches speak, you do this, and I mean, there's a culture around it. And as soon as you are confirmed, conformed by that culture, you are transformed in your thinking. And I'm not saying they're wrong, I'm just saying I need, in that culture, I need something that supersedes that culture. I needed men who speak and spoke into my life. And in every team, I gathered one or two or three Christian guys, and, and we had connect group. We prayed together. We worshiped together. I made sure that there was something that supersedes my mindset from death to life, constantly. I was constantly forced to, fo- to, to face this, this reality of a mindset, of this custom of, of, of the culture that I was in. You see, if, if we are messed up by worldly perspectives, we get parents who, who give their children the right to decide what gender they are. Or we get pa- parents to, to, to tell their children, you don't have to get married one day, you can just live and have kids, because marriage is not an in thing anymore. And it's like, how did we get there? Easy. Mindset. They didn't renew their mind in, in, in spirit but in worldly, fleshly things. Now, all we might think this is ridiculous, but it all started with a thought. Everything in life, every nonsense. I always say every sin is premeditated. I mean, that, that's really convicting if you think about it. All sin is premeditated. If I sit with a guy or a girl and, and I saw a lot of young people in the last 20 years and I, they messed up or they slept together or they did this or they did that... And I said, so how did this happen? Every time I speak to someone, it's like, oh man, I started thinking about this, or I thought it, and then it, 
Every sin is premeditated. You see something, it triggers something, and then you do it. You see, as God's creation, we will only find our purpose with the Creator, God, not with the world. And if, if God or, or somebody in the kingdom or community doesn't disciple you, teach you, speak into your life, guess what? The worldly system will speak into your life. It will. I have got proof of that. I sat in that culture and I thought, if I don't make something happen that feeds my spirit, I will be fed by everything this culture gives me, which I don't want to be at. See, a renewed mind is the best way to demonstrate the will of God in our lives. A renewed mind, it brings transformation, and suddenly you see the will of God in your life much clearer. And it is good, it is pleasant, it is perfect. Now Jesus had a moment where he showed his disciples the importance of a renewed mind. And I want to go into the gospel quickly. If you go to Mark, Mark 3 verse 35, it speaks about a story that I've actually spoken about a lot of times. And it's a very well-known story, but I want to give a, take out something in that story which is a bit different this morning, but let's read together. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. Um, of the lake. So they took Jesus on a boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind them, although other boats followed. Jesus was so popular that the crowds didn't have, want to leave him. Boats were following him. Everybody just wanted life that he gave. Not only the, the miracles he did, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now let me give you the important summary of this story. <laughs> See, the disciples had a serious issue here. They were in a serious issue. Have you ever been in a serious issue in your life? That there's no money, there's no food, there's no... I can't start my car because there's no petrol. There's no this or that. Serious issues. Your kids are facing stuff. You are in a life or death threatening issue. And the disciples try to figure this thing out themselves till they get to a point where they're so fearful. They say, we couldn't do this. Let's wake up Jesus. Let's wake him up. He woke up. He looked at the wave and the sea and he said, quiet, be still, everything quiet. And then he turned to them and said, really? You still don't have any faith? You see, when you come to God in that serious issue, that thing that you face, what do you do? You pray and cry out to God. And then hopefully God comes. We know that he comes. And he answers your prayer with a miracle. But listen to what happened to these guys. They cried out to God in a, in a great crisis. He turned around. He provided for their prayer. Because that's actually what they did. They prayed to Jesus. They asked Him for help. He provided with a miracle. And then He turned to them and said, Do you still don't have any faith? Really? <laughs> so what does this tell us? Um, in, in the story, there's two things that shows the importance of a renewed mind for a believer. Two things. Number one, it is to realize that something, God would rather do something through us than for us. So many times, God wants rather wants to do something through your life than for you. Let that sink in for a while. You see, Jesus was training his disciples to, re to represent him on earth. That's what, what he did. He discipled them. So I want you to represent me when I go to heaven. He didn't just want them to call on him. Oh, Jesus, come and help us. We need your help. No, no. He wanted them to be trained, equipped to do what he has done. See, so he was basically teaching them that they needed to change the way they think about authority. Their authority. That they had authority. See, it doesn't mean that the intercession or petition ministries is wrong. Yes, we still need to cry out to God. 
It's important to pray and to cry out to God. But God wanted to teach them something about their authority as believers. To not just look at Jesus every time. I, oh, Jesus, now I need you. Let's press the, the God button. Weep. Or put up, pick up the red phone and call, call God. He wanted them to function in authority. He has called them to function it. You see, as mature believers, we need to learn to live from the heart of God towards the issues of life. That's what Jesus wanted. He wanted them to live from his heart towards the issues. Not from the issues towards God. From God towards the issues of life. See, that's a different mindset. It's a mindset that comes from God towards the issues. Not, oh, the issue is now so tough and so bad. Jesus, where are you? Oh, he's sleeping. Help! <laughs> See, it doesn't help that. It doesn't work that way. We live from that authority as believers towards the challenges we face in life. Number two is Jesus gave what he had. Jesus gave what he had. You see, Jesus had perfect peace, and that was what he released over the storm. Oh, how can I say that? Well, because he was sleeping in the storm. I mean, if you look at that boat on that day, I mean, storms crashing, that, I mean, that is scary. It's like a big canoe. <laughs> That's not even with a big sail. It's not a big boat with... They had a bit of a, a gap underneath that you can lie underneath, but the waves were crashing over. Should, I mean, Jesus had to get wet where he was lying and sleeping. But there was so much peace inside of him. He was carrying peace that he just released what he had. See, he wanted the disciples to realize what they had as believers. Now, Bill Johnson has a quote. He says, A renewed mind lives with the reality that our internal world, our spirit, defines our external world. Do you get that? A renewed mind lives from the reality or with the reality that our internal world, our spirit, defines our external world. There's a song, We Live from the Inside Out. Hillsong wrote that song, in From the Inside Out. We live not from the outside in. That's living proactively from God to the world, not reactively through every issue that we have. And that's the first thing that we learn, that, that we teach sports guys with mental coaching, is you cannot afford to be reactive. You need to be proactive. We need to be. But with Christians, it's all the same. You need to be proactive. You need to know what your authority is so that when a storm comes, don't run to Jesus. Use the authority that Jesus already gave you. It's always good to run to Jesus. But in that moment, function in that, in that authority. Now if you, go to, to, uh, if you go on from Mark 4 to Mark 6, on from the story what Jesus spoke about, we see a continuation of Jesus teaching his disciples about a renewed mind. If you go through Mark, the book of Mark, the whole book of Mark is actually a place. If you read it with this in mind, you see how Jesus is teaching these disciples to renew their mind. To renew their mind. To renew their mind. And when you get to Mark 6, we see the disciples, uh, the, disciples the disciples coming back from going out two by two. So Jesus sent them out. They came back and they said, Jesus. All these miracles, things has happened. It's amazing. We taught people about more about you. We saw these amazing things, but they were wasted. They were tired. So what they did is they decided to take the boat over the lake to the other side to go and rest, get away from the crowds and just, just rest. But what happened is the crowds followed them. They walked around the lake. As they were taking the boat, they walked around. And when they got to the other side of the lake, here the massive crowd of people were there. Now, I think from a disciple perspective, I mean, we're tired. Why are you following us? We just want to rest. And then Jesus, his mercy gift just clicked in. It's like, ah, oh, people, come my, I mean, and he started teaching them and ministering to them and loving them. And the disciples are like, okay, we'll just, we'll just serve Jesus in this. So Jesus started ministering to them, but it got late. And then we get to Mark 6, 35. It says, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms, villages, and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. 
You feed them. <laughs> and then the disciples said, with what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. <laughs> so a mighty miracle happens. Mighty miracle. Yeah, go and find out. So a mighty miracle happens with five loaves and two fish. Jesus said, go and find out what you can, but you feed them. You see, immediately after Jesus insisted that the disciples, imagine after this mighty miracle, I need to, just let me just pause. 5,000 plus people. 5,000, when the Bible says, only speak about men. When the, when the, the Bible speak about a number, they only counted men, because men were the only one in the, in the family who could earn honor for the family. They never counted women. They, I mean, it's been a ridiculous culture. Now, today, we've got more powerful women than, than so many men in, in, in the world. But then, they only counted the men. So when the Bible speaks about 5,000, there was plus women and children. There was a lot of people. And with five little loaves and two fish, Jesus fed all of them to the brim. They, they, they were fed. But then, right after this massive miracle... Jesus said to his disciples, I insist, take the boat to the other side of the lake. I'm going to go up the mountain and pray. And they said, okay, Jesus. And they went. So late at night, Jesus, Jesus um, the Bible actually said Jesus had a vision of the disciples struggling on the water with big storms and waves. Again, they ran into an issue. The disciples, again. And they were in trouble. And then we pick it up. In verse 38, 48, it says, Jesus came towards him. So Jesus walked down the mountain, walked over the sea, through the waves and crashing winds and everything. And he said, walking on the water, he intended to go past them. <laughs> but when, he saw him, when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking it was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. For their hearts were too hot to take it. I mean, that, that, just, that just gets me. See, it's a CLR moment. Stop and think. Why did you still, why did you still doubt? Now, to be honest, if I'm in a, in a boat, in a lake, in a sea, and the waves are crashing, and a guy comes walking, I mean, I would freak out. I mean, because they've never seen that. This was before Peter's moment where Jesus walked on the water. So it couldn't be understood from a natural perspective. And Jesus was tended to walk past them, and they saw, he saw their hearts, that they were scared. As a daddy father, he was drawn to them in mercy. See, why didn't they still understand this miracle? It's a good question. Why? Now, firstly, it's important to realize that this miracle that happened with the loaves and fishes didn't happen in Jesus' hands. You see, he didn't just, Jesus didn't take the fish and the bread and he threw it in the air and then suddenly thousands of loaves fell on the ground. It wasn't like that. Jesus prayed over it and he gave it to the disciples and they started breaking it. Breaking it and breaking it and breaking it. And, and as they were breaking it, it multiplied. It multiplied and it multiplied. I've been in so many missions and things that we had soup so much and there's 200 people come. It's like, oh. And as we dished the soup, it just never, it just replenished itself. It's amazing when God does miracles like that. You see, the miracle happened where? In the disciples' hands. In their hands. It wasn't Jesus that did the miracle and they ran around and gave each loaf of bread. No, no. In their hands, the miracle happened. As they were faithful of just trusting Him. Just breaking the bread. Breaking the bread. I want to make a last point. See, a renewed mind knows that Jesus always enables what He commands. He always enables us what He commands us. Sometimes it appears to us that, well, that's not true, but it, it is. You see, Jesus said to his disciples, you feed them. 
You feed them. Jesus, like 10,000 people. How? You feed them. Go and find out if you can find some bread. You see, Jesus never changed his mind on them feeding the people. Never. They handed the food out. They saw the miracle in their hands. They packed the baskets, 12 baskets full left in their hands. But the disciples believed that if Jesus wasn't in their boat, they would die. Jesus, if you're not in my boat, I'm dying, Jesus. But if Jesus sends you, he equips you. He commands you. See, they needed to realize, they didn't realize that if Jesus, it was Jesus who put them in a boat, who sent them to the other side, and that was all that they needed to succeed. It's always sometimes need. I remember when we, God said to me and said, let me plant this church. I was like, oh. <laughs> are you sure, Lord? <laughs> and he just said, I realized one day, he said, if, if we have a word, we know that God is in it. And if God is in it, the waves can come. The wind can blow. My God is in it. Yeah. You see, Jesus was the one who said to them, go over to the other side. I'm sending you. Oh, Lord, but now there's waves and wind. We're going to die. No, no, I send you. There's going to be success. You see, the renewed mind gives us the courage to step out in faith. It does. It's step out in faith in what God has called us to do, to make, make that big decision. See, I don't make a big decision in life without a word from God. Maybe it's just me. But I need a word that said, Lord, whenever I get to a place where I feel I cannot do this anymore, I need to fall back on that word that said, Lord, but you gave me this word. You spoke to me through your word. And if I hold on to this word, in your, in, 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 if I hold on to that scripture, that word, that prophecy that you've given me, Lord, I know that you've spoken already. And no matter how big the storm is, you will enable me with what you commanded me to do. I believe that we're living in a time where we can, can shape the world's history. Listen, we as a generation can shape the world's history by stepping out with a renewed mind of spirit and life. We can. We can change, we can change our, our generation. We can change our society. We can change the community in our life. If we renew our mind to such a degree that God has given us life in the spirit. Now when we realize that we have received spirit and life, things change. There's a transformation that happens in your life. The first day when I saw and I prayed for someone's back and I saw that one leg grow out and go, go past the other one and come back and God aligning that legs and back ain't gone, people running around, God started renewing my mind. That's, I'm not just serving a God of a little Bible story. I'm serving a God of the universe that created me, that can do supernatural things. And there was a pathway of renewing, said, Lord, I want, to, I want more of this. Please help me to renew my mind more in this. Is there times that I miss it? Oh, absolutely. But as I said last week, one step up or two steps up, one step down. Three steps up, one step down. Four steps up, one step down. We grow as we fail sometimes. As long as we have a word and believe in God's goodness. See, we cannot afford to still stay at the sinful default of the old Adam. I can't afford that. I don't know about you. But I can't afford to stay at that sinful default. I need to move over to the life in the Spirit. To know who I am in my spirit man. To know what my authority is as a son of God. See, we need to renew our mind, renew our thinking and our understanding to operate in the Spirit and in life. We need to know that God enables every step He directs. And it's too costly not to get this. It's too costly not to get this. Let me end with this. Let me go back to Romans 8 verse 9. But when the Spirit of Christ do what? Empowers. Empowers my life empowers my thinking, empowers my business mindset, empowers my way of a father and a mother, empowers me to speak to others, empowers me to handle every tough conversation. When the Spirit of Christ empowers my love, life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. 
You see, renewing our mind is to be dominated by the Spirit. I want to be dominated by the Spirit. I don't know about you. I want the Spirit to have dominion over my life constantly, constantly, in every conversation, in every way I see life, in every way I see a challenge. You see, every time a challenge comes, you have one of two options. I fear or I speak life. Remember my sermon on fearless? We've got two um, falters in life, either fear or love. You will either fear about things or love, take the love way. God's love will, will bring His Spirit, His life into it. And I want to encourage you this morning, as I'm finishing, that to, to really go and find out what my mindset about life is. And if I'm still worrying, if I'm still fearing about things, if there's still a, a mindset of fear, then I need to renew my mind. I remember when I went through my burnout times, I had an intense fear of dying. You can't explain it. You're just going through this burnout. You have intense anxiety, panic attacks. And I've got this intense fear that I'm going to die and not see my kids grow up. Intense. Like I was shaking. And one morning I sat down and I took my Bible and I slapped it down. And I said, Lord, I know that every fear you overrule with your word and with your promises. So I want you, for every fear of my life, I want you to give me a promise. So I started writing down every fear I had. I am afraid of dying young. And then I went, Scripture, as I wrote that fear, God said, John 10, 10. I said, okay, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but my God has come to give me life and life in abundance. That means I have abundant life. I don't have to fear um, death because he has overcome death. And every fear, I think I had about 10 or 20 fears that I was like, I'm do this. And I said, and, and through a week or two, God gave me scripture upon scripture, just proving that fear is a liar. You see, God changed my mindset and renewed my thinking about the anxiety I had. Did I still get anxiety stuff? Yes. But then I just referred back, said, oh, thank you, Lord, for your promise. I might feel bad. I might feel like I'm dying. This is just anxiety. And I still do now and then get an anxiety attack. But then I just go and sit down and say, Father, thank you. This is just natural. My spirit supersedes everything. You see, my God is, is busy renewing my mind of how I look at those challenges in my life. And if that's my Goliath, then I'm, I will sever that thing's head. Because I made a decision. Amen. Won't you stand with me and I'm going to pray and trust God with us this morning. Thank you, Father, this morning that we can pray and I can say thank you, Lord, that you are in control. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. No matter what we face, no matter where we go, no matter how bad or how down we feel, Father, your Spirit gives life. And nothing can change that. And Father, I believe you speaking to people here this morning that you're raising some flags in their lives that says, I want you to renew your mind here. I want you to renew your mind there. I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this mindset, how you look. And Lord, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, that you will remind them and us today that we need to renew our mind on those things every day. Father, I pray that you open the Scriptures to us. Open your Word to us so that we don't get stuck in a mindset that shoves us down and shows us that we don't have purpose, but that you will give us a mindset that shows us that we have purpose in God. And we will not have to shove back anymore. But we can step forward. Father, I pray that we will not be like the disciples who still miss the moment when we see the miracles in front of us. But that you will soften our hearts, Father. And we don't stand there with hard hearts knowing that this is God, but we still don't believe this. But we will go at it, run at our giant every day. Holy Spirit, will you come and free us from 
from today, from the lies of the enemy who tries to hide the truth from us, to hide the, the power of mind renewal from us, to, to show us the, the mindset of the world rather than the mindset of the Spirit. And Father, I pray that the mindset of the Spirit will be, will be draw, drove by your love in our lives there will be a passion to find more of you to grasp more of you to see you come through in so many issues, uh, things in our lives so Father I thank you for your spirit on each and every one of us to fill us that you release us from guilt and stuff that the world wants us to focus on and that we will step over to a place of grace and mercy and freedom in you. And that we will leave offenses that builds offense around us and God so we don't experience more of you. I really feel that there's some of you here today that you're stuck with offense in your heart. And if you're stuck with offense, that's the place that the enemy want to keep you and hold you back from the presence of God from hearing His voice, from knowing His will, from renewing your mind. Because when we are offensive or offend, offended, there's no transformation, there's no renewing because we are shutting us off from the grace of God. Father, I pray for us, pray that you re release our hearts this morning, that there will be a spirit of forgiveness, in our hearts this morning and that you will free us for more of you thank you for listening to our weekly sermon for more detail visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za